Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. Echo is a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio, who love Jesus, love hanging out, and are navigating the ups and downs of our faith together. We're glad you're here. Unforgettable movies from my childhood years that I'm hoping you have seen and have passed on to current generations. But that would be Indiana Jones, the whole series, and The Goonies. Now there, you'll see there's a common denominator of a cute little kid who starred in both movies. Now this kiddo was named Ki Hui Kwan, and he arrived in Los Angeles with his family from Vietnam. And a couple years later, he, his brother actually was in class and his teacher, you know, they're out in L.A. And his teacher's like, oh, I heard of this open casting call. You should really go. So he just tagged along with his little brother. I don't know if he's older or younger. But they were just hanging out and he's practicing lines with his brother in the hallway. And the casting agent saw Key, age 12, and said, do you want to try out too? And Steven Spielberg handpicked him for Indiana Jones. He never imagined acting, doing anything like that. And he even said, like, they never showed him his footage of anything until they put the whole movie together. They just let him have fun. He didn't know these people were famous, that they were amazing directors. He just was having fun with these really nice adults. And then he went to the theater and he was like, oh, that was a really cool movie and I'm, I'm in it. So then he was casting Goonies and then nothing. He said the phone didn't ring a lot. And he said from his late teens and early 20s, he was still trying to pursue acting. And he's like, there just wasn't that many parts. He said, especially for Asian actors, they were stereotypical. They were small characters. They just weren't, they weren't the fun and the things that had brought him joy. So he decided to head to film school and he worked behind the camera. He was an assistant director, award-winning. He was a stunt coordinator. And he enjoyed that. He found fulfillment. But he said, 20 years later, he went to see a movie called Crazy Rich Asians in 2018. And he said, I went to the theater three times. And he said, everyone on that screen looked like me. And he said, I had FOMO. He's like, it was time for me to try again. They looked like they were having fun up there. And I want to get back into this thing. So he called his agent. And actually, his entertainment lawyer, you know who he is? chunk. It's true. It's true. So to get the role of this movie called Everything Everywhere All at Once, the, uh, the lawyer was Chunk, the, the kid was Data, and he was cast in this movie. And now at age 51, he is nominated for an Oscar. And he said, when I heard my name announced, I jumped and screamed so loud. It's a dream that only existed in my imagination for the longest time. He said, when I had to step away, that dream dissipated. It was so far away, I didn't think that one day it would make its way back. I never thought my name would have the prefix Oscar-nominated actor. And Jamie Lee Curtis is one of the co-stars in this movie. And she said she didn't know that he had this, like, decades away from acting. And the first day after filming, she looked at him and said, you haven't had the opportunity to use that gift for decades? And so Key's restart has inspired all kinds of folks to know that there's a chance to begin 
anew. So a man reconciling cultures, felt like an outsider, someone who was well-known and then disappeared for decades, a man who had aged out of expectations. Sounds like where we are in the story of Moses. We're in our series called uh, Exodus. I don't know why is it called. It is Exodus. It's the book of Exodus. That's what we named it. We made it simple. And so far, we have looked at the life of Moses. We're in Exodus 4 today, and it's part two of a conversation. But where we've gotten here so far is that Moses lived as an outsider. He was adopted as Egyptian royalty, and yet his adopted family people group was oppressing his heritage, the Israelites. And so Moses lived with this conflict for years, and one day he decided to take action and try to bring about justice himself, but he chose poorly. He committed murder, and then he fled. And then for 40 years, he has been living in the land of Midian. He got married, he had a kid, he's become a shepherd. And he's just been hanging out, and he is 80 years old at this point. And he's probably just imagining this is the way life will just be for the rest of time. But God had other plans. After 400 years, the Israelites, they kind of pulled back in their relationship with God. And last week, we talked about God appearing to Moses in a burning bush and speaking and reintroducing himself. He's like, hey, you guys... Thank you for forgotten my name. Let me tell you, I am. And at the base of this mountain, Mount Sinai, this is a modern day photo, this is where Moses had an encounter and Yahweh said, I am the one who is. You can use my name. And he tried to bring back the people into relationship and he's going to do so through Moses. He said, I've heard my people crying out. They're groaning. They're calling out for freedom, and I'm ready to deliver. And all of this, I love the way this is summarized, this mission. Yahweh's on a mission to first reveal his name, his character, his purpose to his chosen people, and then through them reveal his name and his reputation to all nations. So now we think this is like a beautiful picture, right? Moses has grown up in the household of the oppressors, and yet he is from the oppressed people. What a perfect person to bring about this deliverance. And yet Moses is like, eh, I don't think I want the job. Last week, he just said, who am I? Why are you calling me? And this week, we're going to jump right into chapter four, and Moses is protesting some more. Let's read verse one. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? The they in this sentence is like, God said, you're going to go tell the Israelite leaders that you're the one at this time. And Moses is like, yeah, what if they don't believe me? So the Lord said to him, what's that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. And Moses threw it, and it became a snake. So he ran from it. I love that reaction. Do we ever talk about this? He's like, threw it down and then ran. The Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took a hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. 
And Moses put his hand into his cloak, and when he took it out, his skin was leprous. It had become white as snow. Now put it back into your cloak. So Moses put his hand back in, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his skin. And then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they might believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Okay, this is interesting. There's three signs and wonders here. It's, a, it's an interesting approach for God to use because the Israelites themselves were living in Egypt and in Egypt there were hundreds of gods. And the way that the Egyptian people felt that the gods communicated was through magic. And magicians of the day were the revered people because they're like, you're using the same powers as gods. And gods would use magic in order to talk to people or inflict pain on people. They weren't always nice, these gods. They would use magic on each other. And so there was this, there was this whole genre of signs and wonders. And that's how Yahweh begins to communicate through Moses. Nahum Sarna pointed this out. Human destiny was thought to be controlled by two distinct forces, the gods and the powers beyond the gods. Neither of these was necessarily benevolent. Inevitably, religion in Egypt became increasingly concerned with the elaboration of ritual designed to propitiate or neutralize numerous unpredictable powers that be. This is all a very fancy way of saying Egyptians worshipped in fear. And Yahweh, by communicating through these signs, this is what I see. I see that he's showing power. If you think about the staff and you think about Moses himself and being having a disease, not having a disease, Yahweh is showing power over things and over people. And then he said of the Nile, over places. People, places, and things. Yahweh has the same power as the Egyptians thought that their gods did. He has greater power. But you know what? He's not using it at his whim. He's like, I could do this at any moment. He's not using people as puppets. He's not manipulating things. Yahweh is getting their attention, but showing, I'm trying to do these things in order to bring you freedom. I am the God that wants a relationship. And so I can just imagine what message Moses himself may have felt that God was interacting with the things in his hands and his own body. And I think, I hope, I hope Moses had this realization that, you know what Yahweh wants to do? He wants to partner with Moses. Because if he can make all this stuff happen in front of Moses, Yahweh could make all this stuff happen to Pharaoh, and then Pharaoh would let the people go, right? He could, like, make Pharaoh's hand do something or have a scepter turn into a snake. But God is choosing to use Moses. He's saying, you know what? I've heard my people groaning, and I know you've seen it too because you acted on it a few years ago. And that wasn't the best choice, so let's try this way. 
But he's calling Moses into tapping into that care inside of his heart. Like, I'm not just giving you a job to do. I'm calling you toward a purpose. And I'm saying, I can do this, but I want you with me because it matters that you care too. And Yahweh loves to partner with people. So much that goes on in the world today happens through people. It sounds powerful and meaningful, but Moses wasn't convinced. Verse 10 says, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. And the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak. I will teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. The Lord's anger burned. And he said, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you. And it will be as if he were your mouth and you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so you can perform the signs with it. So Moses is flat out just like, okay, go get someone else. I mean, at this point in his life, is he just like, I'm getting too old for this. But the excuse that Moses uses is about his speech. And we don't know if that means Moses had a speech issue. Maybe he's just like, you know what, I kind of, I'm not familiar with the language. I haven't used it in a while. Or is he nervous in front of crowds? Whatever it was, this kind of frustrates Yahweh here. And maybe we felt the same when we can see someone that we know and love and are very talented and we know all the things they can do and yet they hesitate. Have you ever been frustrated on behalf of someone because you know how good they are? You know their talents, you know their heart, and they keep saying no? Yahweh loves to use our weaknesses to display his strength. And perhaps that's why he's frustrated. He's like, just get excited. I'm the power behind you. I'm going to be your words. And Jesus once told his disciples, with all things, God, with God, all things are possible. And I think Yahweh is trying to say to Moses, we're teammates here. I'm going to be the power. You're going to be the voice. But I believe you can do it. But he doesn't force Moses, right? He just said he doesn't overpower his will. He still lets Moses make this choice. And he's like, okay, you don't want to do it. Aaron can do it. But you're still going to be part of it. I will speak to you because you're my chosen spokesperson. And you will talk to Aaron. And then Aaron can speak. So Moses could say no to how he was involved. But he didn't get out of it. Because this was his calling. Moses was always called to participate in God's plan to liberate. So God's like, this is your calling. We're, you're the one person I'm wanting to partner with. And I don't know if you've ever done this before. If you've ever dragged your feet on something and somehow you find yourself involved in the situation anyway. Like I said no to leading and somehow I'm still drawn in. God knows 
the purposes and the passions on our heart, and he finds a way to connect us. He finds a way to connect us. Moses had seen oppression, and God knew that hadn't left him. God knew Moses had a heart for his ancestors. Yahweh keeps saying, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and you. Let's go. Each week in this series, I want to look at what we can see about Yahweh. Because as we said last week, he didn't just reveal a name, reveals who he is. And today I just keep being struck by this idea that he desires to partner with people. That there's so much that goes on where, sure, Yahweh could drop a sign, but he wants to speak through us. He invites us to be part of it. He invites us to care about people the way he cares about people. And so sometimes the things that make us nervous or the things that we feel deep within, and it kind of scares us to suddenly be the mouthpiece. Like, I don't know. I don't know if I know enough to speak. And Yahweh says, I'll be the words but I want you as part of it. Jesus also partnered with people in ministry. We said, Jesus is Yahweh come to earth centuries later, and we still see the same characteristics. We read back in Luke 9 last year that Jesus sent out a core group of 12 saying, the Spirit will be with you. You're going to go teach. You're going to heal because Jesus didn't keep ministry to himself either. And later he sent out 72 and said, go out in pairs, go out into the village. You spread God's good news. Because it wasn't just about Jesus preaching and healing himself. He empowered others. He empowers us. We're still invited to participate. So that's our takeaway today. That Yahweh wants to partner with us. There's truth and justice that still needs to be communicated to the world. Freedom, grace, and redemption. And we get called to live that out. And that can be intimidating. But our participation is still part of Yahweh's liberation. So there's one more story I want to share to give us encouragement. Because, sure... Moses, that sounds like a great story. He's going to free like, like so many people. He's going to bring about redemption that will be known for generations and generations. And that's like a lot. I don't think that I'm going to get that call. Maybe we just kind of feel like, I'm just, I'm just like an average person. But Yahweh knows that whatever he's placed inside of us, when we act upon it for his glory, with his strength and power, the, the things will happen. Lives will be changed. We can be part of the answer to other people's prayers. Yahweh sometimes wants to answer our prayers with one another. Let me tell you about our friend named Kristen Buddy. And half of us in here probably know her. She was formerly part of Echo Church. She used to be on this stage and help lead worship. 
And Kristen was working in the school system for years. But that music that I talked about, she said it's always the way God communicates to her. And the way she loves to connect other people is through this music. And she felt like there was something she hadn't yet done. There was a passion inside of her. But it was risky. Like, how do you, what do you do next? Life gets comfortable. And there's so many days and months that, that our, our small group, our church, our friend groups would just pray with her and for her. And in 2020, she and her husband Larry moved to Nashville. She took a step. And it was sad for us to say goodbye. And yet here's what's come from it. She keeps stepping forward and stepping forward. And she's joined writing, songwriting groups. And she's connected with a bunch of different musicians and artists. She's had house shows. And she started to share her music with a wider audience. And she recorded a single. She's going to release an album this year. Fun fact, Dylan, his beautiful voice can be heard on this song as well. It's called Come Sit Down at My Table. And a really cool thing happened recently. Um, is that Kristen submitted her song to be reviewed by a podcast, a couple of Nashville music guys, and they review, they listen to a song fresh for the first time on air, and then they talk about it. They give it a grade, and they just evaluate the technical specs, trying to help other people who want to record and get into the business. And so at first, they like read her bio, and they're like, oh, Kristen, age 47, that's it's a little late to get started in this industry. They were kind of skeptical, and I'm thinking, like, I'm feeling offended. I'm listening, like, on her behalf. Like, what? That's near my age. Stop. Um, and then they listened to the song live for the first time, and they began gushing. I was so proud to be her friend and hear these words. The first guy, Alex, says, I'm so giddy right now. That was unreal. Phenomenal. I got out of my chair listening. It's going to be on my favorites playlist. And then Dave's words said, the song put me at ease. Come sit at my table and you'll never be alone. What a great message. What a time in our country and our world where we need messages like that. He said, the mix is flawless. The harmonies are flawless, Dylan. The effort, the energy, the beautiful voice. And then he says this, sometimes with age, you let your music come to you and you be true to yourself. Kristen, you need to be doing this. If there is a question in your mind, my goodness, we're better for listening to it. It gives me hope. The world needs your music. And for all of us who have known her and sat with her and watched her question and wonder, what a beautiful message from God through these guys' review to say, I'm doing something new. I'm taking what you've already cared about. I'm taking the talents that are already within you. I'm doing something new. Keep going. And I wanted us to hear that because her singing in church, and maybe that just seems like, that was just like a thing she did. And yet God is doing something new with it. And sometimes the things that we have in our lives might seem common. But Yahweh can do something new. Go back to that last verse in Exodus 4. You know what it says? This is my staff. It says, take the staff in your hand. And it was just 
an average stick. I tried to come up with one. It's not as beautiful as probably Moses had. But it was common, right? It's just the thing that shepherds used to guide the sheep along. It wasn't any different than his other fellow shepherds. But Yahweh said, this is what I'm going to use. Keep it in your hand. This is where the power will be demonstrated from. And we're going to see this staff in further stories. And it was just so regular that God gave it purpose. So what I want to ask you today, what's in your hand? Look at your life. What talents, what resources that you might have overlooked? What, what things have you been doing with your passion that Yahweh might have something new for? Maybe you've already thinking, eh, I've already made my choices. I'm already on a path. Yahweh can make a new path. Maybe you think, I'm just, I'm past the time. That seems like a young person's game. We've got plenty of stories today that prove otherwise. There's purpose that Yahweh has placed in you, and that doesn't disappear. It sat dormant in Moses for decades, but it didn't matter. God placed it there, and he ignited that passion. What's in your hand? It might look plain, but Yahweh can make it purposeful. Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you for wanting to partner with us that you want to show up in our world to bring freedom, to bring healing, and you choose to do so through us. And we don't feel very special at times or we feel flawed or broken ourselves. And yet you said, that's where your glory shines even more. That it's your power working through us. That it seems like the things we have are just average and yet you bring us new purpose. Lord, we sit here today and we ask, bring to our minds, tug on our hearts, show us the things that are already at hand that you are ready to ignite for new purpose. We give ourselves to you. Amen. Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you ever want to join Echo Church in person, we meet on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. You'll find us at 1301 East McMillan Street. That's in the Walnut Hills neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio just up the street from our city's beautiful Eden Park. Find out more about us on our website, echochurch.org. Have a great week.